0: When I was a kid, I could turn a stick into anything. My imagination could turn a stick into a bat, a gun, a sword, a staff, pretty much anything I wanted. Leave me alone. I'm an only child. I had to have a good imagination. Well, on today's podcast, we see what God can do with a staff, Aaron's staff to be precise. What God does with this staff will have implications generations into the future of God's people. I want you to notice verses 8 through 13 of Numbers chapter 17 today. The next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, representing the house of Levi, had sprouted, formed buds, blossomed, and produced almonds. Moses then brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They saw them, and each man took his own staff. The Lord told Moses, "Put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels, so that they may put and so that you may put an end to their complaints before me, or else they will die." So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Then the Israelites declared to Moses, "Look, we're we're perishing. We're lost. We're all lost. Anyone who comes near the Lord's tabernacle will die. Will we all perish?" Now, grumbling is perhaps one of the greatest sins of God's people. The children of Israel had surpassed merely grumbling. They were now just a grumble, meaning that once you begin complaining, it's possible eventually to just be characterized by it. The only thing that people know you by now is that defeat of spirit. You have moved from complaining to just being one big complaint. It defines you. This is the language C.S. Lewis used in describing the most heinous of sins. He once remarked that complaining is both contagious and chronic, that once one person begins to complain, others will follow. It's also chronic in that one negative spirit begins to rise within us, and once it does, it's very difficult to stop it from rising in us again. Such was the case with the children of Israel. It seemed that this people had done nothing but complain since the beginning. It seemed that no sooner than their feet had left the depths of the sea, they began to complain. And they'd been doing it ever since. They complained about having no water. They complained about having no food. They complained about the food they got, opining for meat and not manna. They complained against Moses and his authority, complaining about having to wait on him at Sinai. They complained about Aaron. They complained about Moses, his wife. They complained that they had to leave Sinai. They complained about just about anything. Most recently, their grumbling centered on the special place that Aaron held as the high priest of the people. Now, you would think that after Aaron had saved all their lives a chapter earlier by making atonement for them amid the plague that would have destroyed them because of their grumbling, they would have left Aaron well enough alone. But still, God is intent on wanting to rid them of their doubts once and for all. So God commands Moses to have the chiefs of every tribe bring their staff to the tent of meeting. The chiefs were the oldest sons of each tribe, so these were the men who would have claimed seniority in every instance. Now remember, the complaint levied against Aaron was that he wasn't chosen, but instead they were all chosen of God, and therefore all of them were just as anointed as he was to hear from God. All of them could approach the tent of Meaning and do what he did. It wasn't fair that Aaron had this privilege and they did not, for they were all holy unto the Lord. Or at least that's what they argued. Well, in Hebrew, the word for staff is the same word used for tribe. So when Moses asked for every leader to bring a staff in a genuine sense, God was going to choose a staff to show the people his appointment of the Levitical priesthood. It would be Levi that would be the special priest unto God, just as God had ordered. But he was also very clear about choosing which tribe was to be appointed for that service. Aaron's staff was used for that tribe of Levi. Now God had each one of them inscribe their name on the staff to remove any doubt about which one was which. All the sticks were laid before the Lord in the tent of meeting, and in the morning Aaron's staff had not only sprouted, but it had blossomed and budded before the Lord. Once and for all, God had reminded this people that Aaron was indeed his chosen appointment as high priest. In doing this, God would also remind the people not to grumble against God and his appointed servant. This visible symbol of God's choice as his high priest was forever to be a testimony to God's ordained leader. It was to be, quote, kept as a sign for the rebels so that they may put an end to their complaints before me or else they will die. So every time one of them wanted to complain about God's man, Aaron could take them to this dead stick that had become alive in God's presence and remind them who God had chosen as high priest. But there is much more to the sign of this stick than merely God's appointment. It also points to a greater high priest that was to come. You see, the plant that sprouted from the dead stick was not just any plant. It was not just any fruit. It was the fruit of the almond tree. Now you'll remember in our study from the tabernacle that the lampstand in God's presence is fashioned after an almond tree. It illuminates the way into God's presence, shining on the bread of God's presence with his people. And so an almond tree is also mentioned in Revelation as an enduring symbol of life. The almond tree was one of the first plants to bloom in spring, and so it's used as a sign of things that were to come. When the almond began to bloom, the people knew that spring was on the way. New life was about to begin. what's so unique about the budding of Aaron's staff here is that it is a static picture of the complete life cycle of an almond. A sprout, a bud, a bloom, a blossom, and a fruit the nut. Every stage of the almond tree was represented. After Aaron is chosen, the people quake with fear over their rebellion. They fear that they will all be totally destroyed for their sin. In truth, if Aaron had not made atonement for them as the priest, with the incense of prayer a chapter earlier, they would have. All of this is more than just coincidence, because it's teaching us some compelling truths about what God was doing with these grumbling, sinful people and his appointed high priest for them. Now, as we think about the context of this story, remember these people had doubted Aaron's leadership. They questioned his appointment as the high priest. They, that placed them in direct conflict with God's choice and God's plan. God was the one who had created the office of the high priest. He was the one who had selected to make atonement for this complaining multitude. They had better be glad that he did, because were it not for Aaron's atonement, an entire people would have been annihilated because of the plague sent from God on their wicked complaints. But Aaron was not the end-all be-all for the people. His office pointed to a much more significant work. It pointed to our great high priest mentioned in Hebrews. You see, God chose Aaron to be the priest, and he chose Jesus to be the greatest of high priests, a priest not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. He was to be the one who would offer the full atonement for sin once and for all. This priest was coming, and Aaron, like his staff that produced almonds, pointed to a greater priest that was to come. You see, just as the almond tree predicts the coming of spring, so too Aaron would speak of the appearance of a greater high priest who would come and make full atonement for sin with his own blood. This atonement was a work that God would fully complete. Now we've looked at length at the exodus of God's people and how its life cycle resembles physically that of our own spiritual journey. Redeemed out of bondage to sin, given a new purpose to become God's people where he dwells with us and now in us, provided for in the wilderness season, he teaches us uniquely to trust him and to hold on to his promise that he'll lead us into a home prepared to flow with milk and honey. In many ways, this staff represents that what God starts, he finishes. The sprout of our redemption will eventually lead to the fruit of eternal life. At every point in between, the sprout of redemption, the bud of new life, the blossom of sanctification, or the fruit of eternal life, all of it points to the work of the great high priest on our behalf. He redeems us, he delivers us, he provides for us, he dwells with us, he conforms us to his image, and he will bring us safely home. All of these pictures point to the priest that once and for all made atonement for us on Calvary. And when we consider this kind of priest, like the people, we should realize that were it not for such a sacrifice on the cross, we'd all be consumed. We'd all die in our sin. We'd all grumble our way right into the grave. But because of Jesus and the resurrection, the smell of life fills the air. New life is coming about. Spring is on its way. The decay of death and the stench of complaining has been replaced with the freshness of new life through the almond staff that bloomed for us on that Easter morning. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, for his work as our great high priest that replaces our complaining restless hearts, doomed for destruction with the gift of new life in Christ, a life that only he alone can can bring. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.